0: to me that there were no answers to be found to that question, or perhaps that was the lie I was happier to tell myself. Until now. It is time to call this what it is. This is an investigation into the circumstances of my father's death. The Faraday boy had been missing for three days. On the first day, nothing was done. After all, he was twenty-one and young men of that age no longer had to abide by curfews and parental rules. Still, his behavior was out of character for him. Bobby Faraday was trustworthy. He'd had a couple of killer hangovers over New Year's, that was for sure, and his old man had advised him to ease up before his liver started crying out for mercy. But Bobby was young, he was immortal, and he was in love, or had been until recently. Perhaps it would be truer to say that Bobby Faraday was still in love, but the object of his affection had moved on, leaving Bobby mired in his own emotions. The girl was why he had opted to remain in town instead of seeing a little more of the world—a decision that had been met with mixed feelings by his parents—gratitude on the part of his mother, disappointment on that of his father. Meanwhile, Bobby drank, and his father fumed but remained silent in the hope that the ending of the relationship might lead his son to broaden his horizons. Despite his occasional overindulgences, Bobby was never late for work at the auto shop and gas station, and usually left a little later than he had to, because there was always something to be done, some task that he did not wish to abandon uncompleted. But he hadn't come home the night before, and he hadn't called to tell his parents where he might be, and that in itself was unusual. Then he didn't make it to work the following morning, which was so out of character that Ron Neville, who owned the gas station, called the Faraday House to check on the boy and make sure that he wasn't ailing. His mother expressed surprise that her son wasn't already at work. She'd simply assumed that he'd come home late and left early. She checked his bedroom, which lay just off the basement den. His bed had not been slept in, and there was no indication that he'd spent the night on the couch instead. When there was no word by 3 p.m., She called her husband at work. Together they checked with Bobby's friends, casual acquaintances, and his ex-girlfriend, Emily Kindler. That last call had been delicate, as she and Bobby had broken up only a couple of weeks before. Nobody had heard from Bobby or had seen him since the previous day. When 7 p.m. came and went, they called the police. The chief was skeptical. He was new in town, but familiar with the ways of young people. Nevertheless, the chief put together a description of the boy at the Faraday house, borrowed a photograph that had been taken the previous summer, and informed local law enforcement and the state police of a possible missing person. None of the other agencies responded with any great urgency, for they were almost as cynical about the behavior of young males as the chief was. On the second day, his parents and their friends began an informal canvas of the town and its environs, with no result. When it began to grow dark, his mother and father returned home, but they did not sleep that night, just as they had not slept the night before. His mother stirred only slightly when she heard her husband rise and put on his robe. What is it? Nothing. I'm going to make some tea, sit up for a while. You want some? But she knew that he was asking only out of politeness, that he would prefer it if she stayed where she was. So she let him go and when the bedroom door closed behind him, she began to cry. On the third day, the formal search began. The golden host moved as one, countless shapes bending obediently in unison at the gentle touch of the late winter breeze, like a congregation at church bowing in accordance with the progress of the service, awaiting the moment of consecration that is to come. They whispered to themselves a soft, low susurrus that might have been the crashing of distant waves were such an alien noise not unknown in this landlocked place. The host had been spared the reaping and had grown tall, too tall, even as the crop decayed. A season's grain had gone to waste, for the old man upon whose land the host was gathered had died the previous summer, and his relatives were fighting over the sale of the property. While they fought the host had stretched skyward a sea of dull gold in the depths of winter speaking in hushed tones of what lay undiscovered nearby a black